0: Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, the different styles of wine, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we're going to focus on Northwest Italy, in particular, the region of Piemonte, which is responsible for some of the great red wines, not just of Italy, but of the world, especially from the Nebbiolo grape variety. So, Piemonte literally means the foot of the mountains, and this refers to the Alps, and the Alps are the mountain range which separate Italy from France and Switzerland. And this has a particular influence on the climate of Piemonte. So there is an alpine influence which produces snow and cools the weather. And So there is lots of snow in the winter and the vineyards, if it's the weather is as it should be, which isn't always the case these days, there will be snow on the vineyards and this will provide irrigation for the vineyards during the summer. If the snow does not fall then the water can be a problem during the summer because Uh, Piemonte does have a continental climate, which means that the summers will be warm and dry with diurnal temperature variation with hot days, cool nights, and also that seasonal variation between the warm summers and the cool winters. But there is also um, an influence from the Mediterranean Sea, which will bring breezes in, which can cool those hot days. Piemonte is also famous for its fog, and fog is what gives the name to Nebbiolo, because Nebbiolo means fog in Italian, and that fog is a result of all these different climates clashing together and producing those foggy mornings, which will have an effect on the ripening of the grapes. And so in this region, the south-facing slopes are important, and these are considered the best sites for the vines, and this is where Nebbiolo will often be planted. And so let's look at the grape varieties, focusing first of all on Nebbiolo, because this is by far the most important grape in terms of quality. And Nebbiolo is a very historic grape. It may have been mentioned by Pliny the Elder 2,000 years ago, but certainly the first direct reference to Nebbiolo was in 1235, so very historic. And in fact, Nebbiolo was considered so important that if you cut a vine of Nebbiolo, you could actually have been hanged. So very serious offence to tamper with Nebbiolo and it's still considered by far the most prestigious grape variety in Piemonte. It is the first grape variety to bud and it's the last to ripen. So it has a very long growing season and this really adds to the complexity of uh, Nebbiolo wines. It's always planted on the best sites, those south-facing slopes. It has high acidity and it has high tannins. And this is despite the fact that Nebbiolo has thin skins Usually, we associate thin skins with low tannins, for example, Pinot Noir, but in this case, Nebbiolo has really firm tannins, and this is what makes the wine so age-worthy. Those thin skins do give the wine a pale colour, so Nebbiolo will often be garnet, even when it's quite young, and then that garnet colour will just intensify with time. And the fruit aromas will be red fruits and then with tar and licorice as the wines age. Incredibly complex wines. We'll look at the regions where Nebbiolo is planted in a moment. but Let's first focus on the grape varieties. Barbera is also very important. This is the third most planted black grape variety across Italy. And that's because Barbera um, retains its acidity even in a warm climate. And uh, so Italy can get very hot, but Barbera will still have its high acidity, which is obviously a good thing. Um, But it does have low tannin, so it's quite soft and fruity, and that can lead to a bit of imbalance in the wines. And Barbera can be of very varying quality. A lot of Barbera is very simple, inexpensive, simply picked for its high acidity, without really worrying about the fruit aromas. But some producers will take it more seriously, and age it in some old oak casks and then other producers will take it even more seriously and age it in new French oak to produce a much more concentrated spicier, more tannic style of Barbera. So it is made in lots of different styles which can be quite confusing. And it ripens two weeks before Nebbiolo and those best um, Barbera sites will be on the south-facing slopes usually Nebbiolo is planted in those slopes which is why Barbera doesn't get quite the same high quality but those best sites can be picked later because of the high acidity that is being retained by barbera and then the other black grape is dolcetto dolcetto literally means a little sweet grape that's referring to the grape when it's when you eat the grape but the wines are certainly not sweet sweet they are dry it ripens very early 4 weeks before nebbiolo and this is important because the growers can sell dolcetto early four weeks before they sell their Nebbiolo, so it brings money in and also producers will release the wines quite early, again to bring the money in. And the wines that are made from Dolcetto are soft, fruity, um, aromatic, with licorice aromas. Dolcetto is a difficult grape because the acidity is low and the tannins are high, so it can feel quite out of balance. So producers have to work very hard to produce a high quality wine from Dolcetto and many producers simply cannot be bothered to do that. And then there are white grapes. Cortese is the most uh, known grape here, though you may not recognise the name Cortese because it comes under the Gavi appellation. So Gavi is a very famous white wine of Piemonte, which we'll look at in a moment, and it's made from Cortese. And Cortese is rarely complex, can be quite bland, but it is clean and fresh, so it has high acidity, and it can be an easy-drinking, refreshing wine more complex is Arnace, which is an aromatic uh, white grape with medium acidity, so it's not as fresh and vibrant as Cortese, but it's much more interesting. This is a grape variety which was almost extinct in the 1970s. The only thing that kept it alive was the fact that producers would add it to Nebbiolo to soften those wines, rather like Viognier is added to Syrah in the Cote Rotie. And since the 1990s, it's become more fashionable, more plantings of arnace and the wines are much more complex, with uh, nutty aromas, really um, interesting. And then there's one of the grape with, of more local interest than international interest, which is Favorita. And Favorita is the same grape as Fermentino, across the rest of Italy, and this is at its best in more coastal sites where it has that influence from from the Mediterranean, which helps the grape produce saltier, more tangy wines. And that's planted a little bit in um, Piemonte. Another grape is Moscato, but this is made for sparkling wines, a different category of wine, for Asti, which is sweet, and Moscato d'Asti, which is low alcohol and sweet also. So let's look at the different regions across Piemonte. The most famous by far is Barolo and this has been one of the most prestigious and highly regarded regions in Piemonte and in Italy for decades and centuries. Up until the 1840s, Barolo was a sweet red wine, because the local knowledge of fermentation is very limited, and they didn't know how to ferment the wine to, the wine to complete dryness. And so, because of the cold winters, the cellars wouldn't be warm enough to get the fermentation all the way to dryness. But in the 1840s, a Frenchman came to the region and taught the locals how to do that, and since then the wines have been dry, and even more highly privileged and regarded than they were before. Barolo is the name of the region, and within Barolo there are several villages, five of which are the most important. Barolo and La Mara are to the west, and these produce um, softer, fruitier, more aromatic wines because the soils are calcareous and marl, and these wines age more quickly. To the east are Cerro Dalba and Monforte Dalba, and these are have soils which are poor and infertile and they produce more intense and structured wines with higher alcohol which mature more slowly. Then in between these villages is Castiglione Folletto which uh, is a mixture of those different soils. It's kind of like a combination of those villages. Traditionally Barolo would be a blend of all those villages, bringing together all the different uh, styles of Nebbiolo to produce a complex expression of the region as a whole. Since the 1970s, there have been lots of changes, however. Producers will produce a single vineyard or single village wines to have a really intense expression of one place. Also, the use of oak has changed. There was a big uh, trend in the 1970s, 80s for the use of new French oak rather than the large old oak casks which were traditionally used. And that produced a very different style of Barolo spicier and oak- oakier, and more international and arguably more homogenous. Since the 1990s, a lot of producers have kind of gone for the middle ground using a mixture of old oak and new oak to produce a more balanced expression of the region. And then a lot of producers will produce their uh, uh, regional Barolo and also they'll have their single vineyard sites or single village wines. Uh, So Barolo is um, 100% Nebbiolo, only on the best sites where Nebbiolo will ripen fully. Near to Barolo is Barbaresco, which has always been in the shadow of Barolo, but produces equally high-quality wines of a slightly different style. They only learned how to ferment the wines to dryness in the 1890s, and it's only since the 1960s that Barolo has really come onto the international scene, in large part because of Gaia, the local producer, who put a lot of effort into making high-quality Barbaresco that people around the world wanted to drink. There are four villages within Barbaresco, the region. Uh, Barbaresco itself, Trezzo, Nieve, and Alba. Only a little bit of the town of Alba. And it's those first three villages which mainly are used for Barbaresco. And the wines here are produced are similar to those of Barolo and Lamorola, those two villages within Barolo, softer and fruitier. Nebbiolo here ripens earlier than the region of Barolo because of the river Tenaro um, has uh, kind of a warming effect to get those grapes riper a bit quicker. So that's why they're a bit softer and a bit fruitier. And so the wines generally aren't considered to be as age worthy as Barolo. Barolo and Barbaresco fall within the Lange region, and Lange refers to the hills which are north and south of the town of Alba. And if you see Langay on the label, it refers to the broader region and it may have the grape variety on the label as well, such as Nebbiolo, not quite as intense or concentrated as Barolo or Barbaresco, but often good value alternatives. A couple of other regions for Nebbiolo are Gattinara, which is north, uh, much more Alpine influence. Nebbiolo here is called Spana, and this was actually, in the 19th century, more highly prized than Barolo was. But um, it went into decline, and it's only since the 1990s that interest in Gatinara has been revived. It was made a DOCG in the 90s. And Gatinara can be an extremely good value alternative to Barolo or Barbaresco, because it's similarly high quality, but way, no way near as expensive. And there's also another region outside of Piemonte called Valtellina, and this is in Lombardia. Nebbiolo again, here it's called Chiavanasca, and uh, this is very irregular quality. Most of the wine here is produced by negocion, or merchants, who uh, just simply buy wines from grape growers, and blend the wines together and release them, not really taking as much care of the quality as they should do. Moving away from Nebbiolo, we have Barbera, and there are two DOCGs for Barbera, Barbera d'Asti and Barbera d'Alba. Barbera d'Alba is generally okay quality, but the best sites here are reserved for Nebbiolo. The higher quality is Barbera d'Asti, and this is the finest and best Barbera in Piemonte, and therefore in Italy. And these will be the best sites of the south-facing slopes, which in Alba are reserved for Nebbiolo, but here Barbera will be planted on them, so you get that full ripeness, the acidity is retained by the naturally high acidity of Barbera, and then the use of oak as well will make the wines more complex and more interesting. Also within this area is Monferrato, and this is generally used for international grapes, so Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot for red wines, Sauvignon Blanc Chardonnay for white wines. And these are generally uh, good quality, but a very different style because of the different grape varieties. For Dolcetto, there are quite a few appellations for Dolcetto, but the two most important in terms of quality are Dolcetto d'Alba and Dogliani. And these will be 100% Dolcetto, and these wines will just be taken more seriously, maybe the use of oak as well, and making sure that the grapes are picked when there's an actual balance between acidity and tannin, which is hard to get with Dolcetto. For white wines, we have Gavi, and this is made from Cortese, and you may see Cortese di Gavi on the label. And these are fruity, aromatic wines with high acidity, very refreshing, and citrus aromas. Very easy drinking. And then there's also Rorero, which is on the sandy hills on the banks of the River Tanaro. And this can be red or white. Nebbiolo will be red. But much more interesting is um, the white wines, which are made from Arnace, which, um, as I mentioned, very high quality and um, very interesting and complex. And so that is Piemonte. One thing to mention about Piemonte is that there is no IGP within Piemonte. IGPs are very important in Italy because when the DOCs were created in the 1960s, the local authorities messed up most of the rules. And so a lot of producers rebelled against them and made wines outside the DOC system, which led to the creation of the IGP to accommodate those wines and also a revising of the rules in the 90s. And to make the DOC or the DOCGs much more efficient, and as they should be. But Piemonte has no IGP. Why? Because they got the DOC correct in the 1960s, unlike the rest of Italy. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.